right? You got to know you. And the more you get to know you, not not the version of you you're trying to be, not the version of you that other people are trying to uh, get you to be, which happens, and both of those happen all the time, yeah. right? You're trying to be someone you're not, and and other people are trying to get you to be mm. who they want you to be, right? Yeah. And, and the more you just know you, right, just really get comfortable in how you're wired, now you just leverage all of you to the best of your ability. Welcome to the Advancing Leader Podcast. My name is Chris, and uh, today I have Bevan sitting with me to have this uh, leadership conversation. Bevan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's great. Uh, it's great uh, that you uh, wanted to jump in. And why don't you share with everyone? Because you've been on uh, uh, an incredible leadership journey yourself. And so, share maybe kind of where you started uh, within Tri County Church, and then where you're leading today. Yeah, um, I guess before Tri-County, I could back up a little bit. Went to college, got an accounting degree, started in accounting. Um, you loved it. And yeah, like every accountant says, they love it. Um, no, um, it was <laughs> it was all right, but didn't work out. God had something else and uh, he just kept stirring in me. Um, you know, this thought like, you know, maybe you could, you could do something within the church and I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and he totally opened doors and gave me an opportunity to come on the team uh, about a year and a half ago. And it's just been amazing to see, you know, what I thought my journey would look like and where it's at now. Yeah. And this, this could be, and we probably should do this. We should do a whole podcast just about that part of your journey. Cause I remember the first time I think I, I met you was at a Ruby Tuesdays with yeah. Dan and uh, we were talking with you about a, a, a different position that you didn't get. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure felt amazing to oh, you. Yeah. Right. You're it was like, very uh, confidence building, <laughs> very confident, <laughs> but look how much better it's gotten. Yeah. Right. But we, we need to, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that soon because I think that part of your journey is you're trying to suss out what God was doing within you, but how you're wired and how, how to leverage all of that gifts and passions. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I remember leaving that, that, uh, that dinner. And uh, I said to Dan, I'm like, Dan, I, I believe that Bevan needs to be on the team. We just got to find the right position, the right role. And, uh, through, you know, just the arc of, of just life. And uh, so you stepped on to lead our... Yeah, our downtown campus. I'm the campus pastor down there. Um, like I said, that was a year and a half ago, um, which that alone has been a cool journey. Um, you know, leadership is leadership. Leadership within the church is, um, you know, a lot of similarities, but but way different. And I, uh, I can just remember heading into that and just, you know, the first three months, it just felt like, man, I was in survival mode. Um, so that, you know, was overwhelming, exciting, everything in between. And it's just been really neat to, um, you know, kind of continue on with that journey and God and with Tri-County and, and just what he's doing through all the communities that we're a part of. It's been amazing. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So the, the, the heart and the, the, the kind of the goal of this podcast is really about helping individual people uh, grow as a leader, to advance as a leader, and in doing so, help accelerate the mission vision of the church, because the church is the hope of the world, and God put into motion the church, which is people, right? I mean, that's why I love the story about the early church. I mean, just normal people, flawed people, imperfect people, um, people that didn't have it all figured out, and through that group of people right now, I mean, some 2,000 years later, right, the, the, the church is just impacting and changing the world, and so we really want to have a conversation about helping individual people uh, in their 
leadership journey, but also understanding that it's not just about them. It's about them helping to accelerate the vision and mission of the church. Yeah, that's awesome. So one of the things we were going to do is just try to break down or demystify leadership. Okay. So that's the goal. Yeah, I, I love what yeah what we have here. Um, just some really awesome insights, and I think especially coming from my perspective as a young leader, someone who's pretty new to to ministry uh, and leading in that context, these are things that I think every new leader should pay attention to, listen to, and really reflect on. Because you know, if you don't get these things right, it can take you on a, a wacky journey in leadership. You can really kind of miss the point of what you're doing. Yeah. So so you're twenty twenty six. Yeah. Twenty six. Uh, which, which I love because my first kind of full-time ministry role, uh, I was 22 and, uh, I, I was able to step into an organization, a church very similar to Tri-County, uh, in completely different part of the world <laughs> uh, or the country. Yeah. But, but it was a, such a similar kind of ecosystem where it allowed me as a young leader to actually grow. It allowed me as a young leader to, to, to win and fail. It allowed me as a leader to figure out who I was. And it was such an incredible, I spent 17 years there where, where I went in going, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can do it. I'm not sure if I'm gifted, right? There's all those questions. And along the way, um, not only was I able to grow, uh, I was part of a church that did so many great things. I just think your position is such a great way to step on, right? As a younger leader yeah. to go, yeah, let's go. And it's part of the, I think the, the, the fabric of Tri-County Churches. We want leaders of all ages because we can all learn from each other. No matter your age, no matter your stage of life, we can learn from each other. Yeah. And I love what you said, um, you know, about creating a space for leaders to, to fail for, you know, to try new things, to succeed and to fail both. I think that's, you know, another insight that as a new leader, you have to, you have to have a good mentality on what failing really means. Um, you know, one of the things I processed early on was don't look at it as failure. Look at it as trying. Yep. Cause if you're not trying and you're not failing, then you're not doing anything. Yep. And that's just worse. So, yeah, and that would you know we could we could spend you know a, an entire episode just talking about failure. Yeah, and uh, how to learn from it. Some things you just don't learn; it just fail. Yeah. Right? Like sometimes people to get so par- uh, paralyzed trying to 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 uh, 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 define every aspect of failure, like man, just failed. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it just yeah. didn't work. <laughs> you know, like move forward, you know, um, yeah. who knows? So, yeah. So I'm excited to get into some of these, um, you know, like these insights to demystify leadership. I think, you know, another great way to think about it is just calling out on truth in leadership, calling out stuff that is just not what it seems. Um, maybe calling out some of the stereotypes in, within leadership that have just been around for too long. And, and I'm excited to shed some light on that. So we'll start with number one. Uh, number one is you have to be charismatic. Yeah, I think that's one that just creeps in people's mind, especially people who are maybe more introverted. Uh, they're the personality where they don't they don't walk into a room and everyone just clamors towards them. Um, my dad was a, a charismatic leader, and I'm not. And so my dad would walk in the room, and the energy of the room, and the energy of people, like it would just. I mean, he was just. I mean, he loved every moment of it. Of it. And I remember growing up, you know, we'd go to church, and my dad, you know was in corporate business leadership, but he led and served the church. I mean, with all of himself, like I I tell people I'm the closest thing to a a pastor's kid without my dad ever being ordained as a pastor, right? Whatever that means. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he would walk in the church and everyone, I mean, my dad would just light up and I'd walk into the church as a, you know, as a kid, a junior high, high school uh, student, even in college, I was like, 
I'd find the corner, mm-hmm. right? Find the side of the wall, just hang there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comfortable, like the, the wall can't talk to you. Like, yeah. And if someone walks up, fine, right? Like I, I would engage in a conversation, but I, I just, I was never that personality. Yeah. And I think people, uh, if you're not that, you see leaders and you're like, oh, you have to be the charismatic leader. You have to be the life of the room. You have to be a big personality. You have to be... You know, there's this image, this this uh, 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 perspective that you just start to go, well, I'm not that. And so I'm not that. Well, I can't be a leader. Hmm. And one of the things we've really um, are working on is is in our definition of leadership. Leadership is simply this. You gather a team of people to accomplish a defined goal. Right. So if you can do that, like if there's a defined goal, we are going to accomplish X. Yeah. And you have a group of people and group of people, people could be two other people, right? There's three of you. Well, now you're leading them to accomplish that defined goal. And, uh, and, and you don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be the life of the room. You don't have to be a big personality. You don't have to be all of those things. You just have to gather like-minded people that have the similar passion to accomplish something great. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, just to go off that, Chris, you're a communicator, you're speaking, you're teaching. How does that fit in knowing how you're wired? Um, you know, did you ever feel any pressure coming, coming up through leadership as a younger person looking at other charismatic leaders? You know, how does, how does your natural wiring fit into your communication style and how can you help other leaders who may be wired more um, towards the, you know, the introverted less, um, outgoing nature to be great communicators and say, Hey, just lean on your communication gift. You don't have to be a certain, um, you don't have to be a certain thing. You have to fit into a box. Yeah. So, so what's interesting with my communication gift for me as an introvert, the communication gift, like especially on stage is the safest place, Hmm. uh, because I don't have to interact. Now, I've, I've worked really hard on my introvertedness so I can walk in rooms now and I can talk to most people are shocked when they hear that. Yeah. They're like, no way. Yeah. Like, yeah, I could see that. Right. Like people just don't, but I, I, I've really worked on when I walk, even to this day, if I go to conferences that I don't know people, it's like a, I call it the, you know, you know, the football tunnel or you play soccer, right? Yeah. Right before you go in the field, you're talking to yourself. It's game time, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you're hyping up, you're hyping up, getting ready for game time, right? There's a switch. Yeah. So I still do that to this day. Like I'll go to a conference where I don't know people and it's like, I'm driving in the rental car on, on, you know, public transit, however I'm getting there. And I'm having this conversation like this game time, Chris, you know, I walk in, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, so there's that part. Uh, but you know, you have to find out how you're wired and, and what you're truly gifted at. And it just leverage that. Yeah. Right. You just got to leverage it. Once you know you, right. you got to leverage that gift set to lead. And when leadership is simply gathering a team of people to, to accomplish a defined goal, well, just lead, lead yourself that way. My mom, she has the gift of hospitality. You walk in her house and she'll have everything like food cooked and set out and baked and, I mean, it's just amazing, right? People walk in, they feel so loved and like, she's just kind of this busy bee around the kitchen setting it. And I've told her, I'm like, mom, that's your greatest asset as a leader. (laughs) To just serve people that way, gather them together and go do something. She's doing this now. She's doing all, she makes these bags. She has a whole team of ladies across all of Las Vegas. They're making these bags. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of these bags hmm. that they give away to, to different charities, different nonprofits, different organizations. It's amazing. I'm like, 
that's leadership. Yeah. That's leadership. You don't need to stand up on the stage and, you know, uh, give some rah-rah speech. Gather a team of people. Accomplish your defined goal. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, especially in our culture where we are so concerned with our wiring. Uh, I know you and I had a conversation when I was first on uh, brought on staff and, and you just encouraged me, hey, figure out how you're wired. And then when you figure out how you're wired, figure out how that aligns with where God wants you to lead and where you can lead best. And I can tell you that journey alone and that just, you know, to, to be able to run with that thought has helped me so much over the last, you know, year and a half of leading. It's just, I think such a crucial part um, of leadership is leading yourself before you start to lead others. Which, you're right, you leads to the, the first core idea that gets gets into the, the first, you know, myth is you have to be charismatic. The core idea is you got to know you. Yeah. Right? You got to know you. And the more you get to know you, not not the version of you you're trying to be, not the version of you that other people are trying to uh, get you to be, which happens, and both of those happen all the time, yeah. right? You're trying to be someone you're not, and and other people are trying to get you to be mm. who they want you to be, right? Yeah. And, and the more you just know you, right, just really get comfortable in how you're wired, now you just leverage all of you to the best of your ability. And we all have... You know, we all have, you know, the the weakness side of us, mm-hmm. like my introvertedness, I had to get control of. Yeah. Right. I had to. I, if not, it would just been the lid, you know, uh, just be lid. Yeah. And so I, I've worked hard enough to, to kind of sure up that weakness, but I'm still who I am. Hmm. Like when people want me to, to come to every party or to every gathering or to every event, right? If you're an extrovert, that fires you up. Yeah. You're at every event, every party, every gathering. You're just everywhere, right? Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. Can't be, right? So I have to be very selective with what I say yes or no to because because it's all about energy management. And so I just have to go, well, I can't do everything, but I'm going to do a few select things very intentionally, Hmm. right? So that no you is everything. Yeah. Like you've been really studying the Enneagram. Yeah, definitely. I'm obsessed with the Enneagram, actually. So you're a what? I'm a three. Which so is the performer or achiever. Okay. So, um, you know, we talked about failure earlier in this podcast, which the irony is that's my core fear is to fail or to mm. look like I'm failing. You know, I'm always worried about how I'm projecting my image out to other people, which is something that with personality, you, you can know something about yourself and not change it. And it's not helpful. Mm. You know, there's self-awareness and then there's self-regulation, which is, um, you know, not an original thought by me, something I've learned along the way on my Enneagram journey. If you know yourself, but you don't do anything about it. You're not becoming who you are meant to be. You're not knowing yourself. You're, you're knowing facts about yourself. But I think part of the journey of self-discovery is not only knowing you, but knowing who you could be and knowing who God wants you to be as a leader. Yeah. So, And it's a both and there. Yeah. Right. So I'm an eight on the Enneagram, which is... The challenger? Yeah. 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 Um, and when I first took... Well, I took Myers-Briggs years ago. I'm an INTJ. And when I took that, I'm like, that's me. Yeah. And uh, the more I read about it, it was like, that's me, that's me. Uh, when I took the Enneagram, it's just interesting because it's just a different way to come, in, come at it. Yeah. And uh, when, I, when I first took the test and I came out to be an eight, I'm like, that's, that's me. Yeah. Right? Now, there's nuances there. Um, and I always tell people that. I'm like... Just know like, there's only one you, right? Mm-hmm. There's only one Bevan. There's only one Chris. Like, there's only one, right? Yeah. And we all have nuances to that, but it gives you a, a, a more defined framework to go, oh, that's why I process like that. Yeah. This is why I react this way. Like when you're talking about failure, right? Yeah. You start to go, this is why. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, 
I respond like I do both in stressful uh, situations, right? It reveals that, but also when life's going good. Yeah. And uh, that just helps you to understand you. And the more you know you, the more you can actually lead other people because now you're really vested in trying to get to know them. And when you get to know them, how they're wired, right? They just respond differently, yeah. right? They respond or they react differently because they're just wired differently than you. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, so the next one we have here is you have to have all the answers. Yeah, I love I love Andy Stanley, who uh, leads a great church called North Point. Uh, what I love, he always talks about um, that uh, he's not the smartest person in the room. Hmm. And leaders don't need to be the smartest person in the room. Leaders need to, again, gather a team of people. And that team of people, you want smarter people than you all the time around you. And uh, you want people with different uh, perspectives all around you. And I think that, again, it gets into this myth that, well, I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I, I, I got to know everything. No, 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 no. You're the leader. And uh, you, you either drew a short, uh, short end of the stick, right? <laughs> like, like, like you did, Bevan. Like, yes. Surprise. <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, you got there first, right? There, yeah. There's reasons why, or maybe you raised your hand, right? There's, there's a whole host of reasons why, you know, a person's a leader. But the, the, the real goal is you want to get the right people around you. So you're not the smartest. Mm. You don't have the entire perspective, right? Because when you have the right voices around you, now collectively collaboration, which is so powerful, now you can get there. And when you get there together, there's nothing, nothing better than that. And so what I, and I fail on this because communication is a gift of mine. So I find myself, uh, I find myself wanting to speak uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. So I found this, 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 uh, this, Stupid! If you've ever seen this on my, you're going to look for this now. I'm um, revealing a secret. I did this. I was at a, a leadership team meeting uh, uh, last week, and uh, I did this. I have. I'll have my my notebook. You know, taking notes. And the very top of my notebook, I write a S to S, and uh, and I circle it. And it's just an S to S. And actually, the two looks like a backwards S, right? <laughs> so it's like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. And it just, it simply stands for slow to speak. Hmm. And I'll write it. I'll write it down. I'll come into another meeting where I, where I know that, that I just need to do a ton more listening than speaking. And because I know me, right? I know me. I'm a problem solver. I'm a solution solver. Like I can get there pretty fast. I'll write S2S on the top of my, my, my notebook and it will f- help me. <laughs> Just shut up. Yeah. I think, um, you know, something I processed when I, when I first read this, you know, I think there's two, there's two sides and I don't know if they're exactly, you know, on a spectrum like this, but you have two, two different things. You have insecurity and you have humility. I think a person who is insecure thinks they have to have all the answers. A person who is humble knows they don't have all the answers. And so they seek out people with the answers. Yeah. I just think, you know, in going off what you said, that's amazing. Um, cause it can be so easy just to respond. I mean, if that's how you process, if you're, if you're a verbal processor or you're someone who processes in the moment, you can come up with an answer right away. And then, you know, you're not allowing other people to speak. You're not allowing other people to give the answer. Um, and I think when you get stuck in this trap of thinking you need all the answers, you might give a really bad answer. Yeah. And it might not be the right answer. Yeah, I was talking to a team member uh, several weeks ago, and uh, he asked me my insight 
uh, I was in the middle of like, you know, four different, you know, tasks. Like, you know, I was doing an email. I was getting, uh, working on another project. Like there was all like a ton going on. He yeah. called me and uh, we were talking about something else. And he's like, Hey, I want your insight on something. So I gave a response really, really quickly. I, I didn't process. I didn't think I gave a response. It was a fine response. And uh, uh, that evening, my wife came home and she had the same conversation with this person, which I love because he was seeking out some wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, as he's navigating just a, a difficult relational uh, situation and she goes, yeah, you know, I shared I shared this insight and I, I found myself I stopped. I'm like, oh, that was so much better <laughs> than my response. My response was stupid. So I called this person back and said, you should listen to her, not me. That's awesome. Right. Because I realized like in the moment, I didn't take time to, to just sit in the scenario and go, I, I should, I should think about this more. I should process this more. Uh, I should have, I should have told him that it's like, Hey, give me 30 minutes or give me an hour or let me call you back this hour. Right. There's a whole list of things I should have done just to, to, and it's not like it was bad advice. Yeah. It just wasn't great advice. And when, when, when Kim was like, hey, yeah, um, this is what the, what I shared. I literally was like, oh, I'm an idiot because that's genius. <laughs> yep. But what I appreciated is he called several different people. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Right. Because as leaders, it's about gathering input, gathering uh, ideas, gathering perspective. And then either all that input aligns when that happens, that's makes uh, leadership to see decisions so easy mm-hmm. when they don't align it's having to make the hard decision of like who I'm gonna who am I going to listen to or what am I going to hold on to all right what is that what insight am I going to say yeah I, I'm going to follow that yeah so, so I, I feel like we really covered the internal aspect of thinking that you yourself have to know all the answers how would you deal with the external expectation of other people thinking that you need to have all the answers. Yeah, so how I deal with that, uh, partly because I have a, a, a platform most weekends, you know, preaching, teaching. So I have a, I get to use that. And all the time I say to people, I, I, don't, I don't know everything. Hmm. I, I don't know everything's going on around Tri-County Church. I don't know everything going on within all campuses. I don't, I don't know everything. Uh, I have great teams of people that know, know everything. They know more than me. They have better perspectives than me. You should talk with them, right? I just call it out uh, and, and just address it because it's, it's when people just hear you say it over and over again, you know, like one of the things we say all the time, just about the church, we're not the best church. We're not the only church. We're not a perfect church. We're not even a cool church. Yeah. We are a church trying to tell all people about Jesus. Yeah. Right. And that's a loaded statement. Right. And I keep saying it. I keep saying it because our goal isn't to be the cool church. Yeah. Our, our goal isn't to be the best church. We are very passionate telling all people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. Yeah. We're not going to get that wrong. So I just think the more you say it publicly and what, again, I, I have a stage, right. Mm-hmm. That I get to say it on. Uh, but you could say it to, to your team of people all the time. Right. That you get to, to lead and serve. Right. You say it all the time out loud, because as people hear you say it and then they they have to see you live it out. Right. Yeah. And they see you live it out when they understand that collaboration really is all about 
a team of people that are gathered to, together to accomplish the defined goal, right? That is collaboration. When they see that happening, when they, when they hear you say, yep, that was that person's idea. Hmm. You know what? We came up with this idea together. You know, you and I talking about this podcast. Yeah. How many times did I say to you, dude, like I, I, I got some thoughts, I got some direction, I got ideas, but share with me. Yeah. Right. And already you started blowing holes on my stupid ideas. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that, Chris. That's stupid. Right? <laughs> um, okay. You didn't say it that way, but right, like right away, because it's a value. The value is let's do it together because hmm. together it's always better. And uh, the more you say that out loud and, and then actually live it out loud and your team sees you doing that, it's, it's just powerful. Yeah. And I think ownership creates a space for people to start owning the answer themselves instead of going to you for the answer every time. If you bring some along the journey with you, hey, we're doing this together. They start to say, oh, well, how am I going to solve this mm-hmm. for the team to continue to move the mission forward to get to the goal that we want? Yeah, we, we were uh, we were ending our campus leadership meeting uh, just this last week. And uh, the, le- the meeting had come to a close. Everyone was packing up. Uh, you and I were actually going to go to lunch. And uh, someone uh, on the, you know, another campus leader asked me a question. And I quickly pointed him to you. Yeah. Uh, I could have answered it. Right. I, I, I had the answer. Yeah. Uh, just because you and I have talked about it uh, for so long. But I quickly said, hey, why don't you talk with Bevan? He has all the answers. Yeah. And I do that as much as I can. And sometimes people interpret that like, I don't know what's going on. Well, sometimes I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I know generally what's going on. But but more than that is creating the culture. Yeah. Right. I want I want the person connected closest to that goal, that vision. Yeah. To answer the question. Yeah. Right. I, and I think, you know, speaking with this person, now they have the answer. Yeah. So the question comes from a conversation they have. Now they have the answer. And I think that, again, it's not just you or I. It's also this other person who's going to tell another person. Yes. And then eventually the vision is going to be the vision. That and is. People are going to be able to, you know, more than one person, it's going to be dispersed out. So, so yeah, um, the core idea of that one, you already touched on that, but the, just that, that thought to listen first, yeah. you know, being s- slow to speak. Slow to speak. I think that's, uh, that's crucial, especially when you're new. Um, when I first came on staff, I remember meetings. I don't think I said a word you didn't. for so long. I was just like, I just need to listen because <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. And I just, I can't miss anything. I remember feeling like, even if I have something, I'm just going to like hold on to it because I have no idea. And then, you know, from that you get more comfortable, but yeah, if you're, if you're coming into a leadership position, like, you know, listening is just so crucial. Yeah. So, all right. Next core idea is you have to make all the decisions. Which goes into what we were just talking about, you know, right? Um, listening, gathering your team of people, when you have the right people around you, uh, uh, that makes it so much easier, right? But mm-hmm. it's getting the right people around you, which is a whole nother thing, right? I think a lot of people invite people into their leadership circle that just aren't the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you touched on humility, you know, maybe they're just not humble, yeah. right? And uh and I'm not saying you isolate people and make feel, right. You want to walk with all people, but I'm talking about the people that you draw really close to lead with, right? Yeah. Who those people are. And uh, so I, I think I think at the core, you know, on the making all the decisions, you as a leader, your your core goal is to to make sure that you're aligning the team to the goal. Like if you as a leader don't know where you're headed, hmm. right? Then, then it's it's just going to wander all over the place, and and the clarity of like no, we're going here. Like on the, as a church, we'll get a lot of things wrong, but 
we are going to be a church that tells all people about Jesus. We are going to be a church where all people are welcome, no matter where they are, no matter where they are, right? And it's going to be messy, and it's going to get messier, and we're okay with all the mess, Hmm. right? And if you're a Christ follower that doesn't handle messy people, then Tri-County Church is probably not for you, (laughs) Yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Uh, But we're just going to be that church because we're not going to get that wrong. We're, we're not, right? Because the ultimate call of the church is to tell people who don't know Jesus about Jesus and walk with them, yeah. right, along the spiritual journey. And so as a leader, you got to own your core goal, vision, whatever that is, you know, uh, because everyone, everyone is going to try to, at some level, get you off of that. Mm. Like, I'm just, it, it's just not bad people. Well, some people are bad, but... <laughs> But most people aren't bad. They're just, right, they kind of see things maybe a little different. I'm just saying there's something about holding on whatever that goal, that vision is, right? Yeah. That you hold on and that you're extremely clear about this is what we're about. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're about. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to do, right? And hold on to it and then talk about it all the time. Because yeah. clarity is everything. Vision, you know, people have heard this before. Vision leaks. Yeah. It leaks, it leaks, it leaks, it leaks, it leaks. And so knowing that, then as you as a leader hold on to that, now you can invite people in to help make the decisions around it. Yeah. Right. So it's really about you hold on to that, make sure that's clear. As long as people understand and are aligned to that, now people can speak into it. They can help make decisions, but you're, you're guiding those decisions, mm-hmm. right? You're guiding those decisions. And all the time people want to make decisions that take us off. I'm just telling you, they want to take us off mission, off yeah. mission. And I keep on going, no, 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 no. We're going to be this church. We're going to be this church. Yeah. And uh, we're going to hold on tightly to that. And if the decisions uh, that need to be made will help us accomplish that, great. If not, we're not making those. Yeah. I think, you know, something you've, you've shared with me and I know that you've encouraged all of our staff to do is over-communicate. You know, I can't tell you how many times I'm like thinking to myself, well, I already sent a text. Like, do I send another message? Do I, do I call them again? I don't yes. want to be that annoying person, but it, you know, the answer is always, yeah, do it. And even if you feel like you're being annoying, if you're, if you're communicating and you're over communicating, you know, you know, clarity's not being compromised because you're just committed to making sure that people know where we're going. Yeah. Like w- one of the things I try to do every time I speak again, you know, I have the, the, the opportunity to speak, you know, 40 some weekends a year. And, uh, one of the things I always are trying to do, again, our, our, our core mission as a church is to tell people about Jesus, right? Um, for people who've ran away from God to help them take a step back in, for people that, that hate religion because of what religion has done to them to, to help them understand it's, it's about a relationship. So every weekend, I'm trying to find a, a connection point for people that don't want to be there, don't want to come, not even sure about God. So this weekend, I talked about... Uh, at the very beginning of the message, I talked about people at the very beginning of the spiritual journey. And, and you know, maybe you don't like God. Maybe um, you're angry with God. Maybe you got hurt by church uh, a long time ago. I just want you to know that Tri-County Church is a place for all people. If you believe in God, don't believe in God. If you have big questions for God, small questions, right? It, no matter where you find yourself on the spiritual journey, that there's no questions uh, off limits. There's no doubts that um, we'll say you can't be here. Like, we are glad that you're here. And uh, Casey, one of our campus pastors, called me and he shared a story about someone who just come to church. I mean, it was his story. And he literally talking to Casey, go, that guy, he didn't even know my name. That guy was speaking right 
to me, Mm. right? Because when you're that clear about where you're going and you communicate it, right? Everything now circles around it, right? It always circles around it. And uh, everything you do now helps drive that forward. And I just love those stories because all of that's intentional as a leader. It's just intentional. Yeah. Hey, we're going to be a, we're going to be a church for all people and actually live that out. Yeah. And I think to take it even further, um, we're going to walk with you and we're going to point you to steps that you can take. I love that we have our life path, which just encourages people to take steps closer to Jesus, you know, no matter what that step is. And, you know, if there's anything, you know, to connect life path, like it's just what you said in your, in this series, courageous endurance, everyone's on a journey. Mm -hmm. Everyone is on a journey. You're either taking steps closer to Jesus or you're taking steps further away. There's no really stagnation in your journey of faith. You're either getting better or you're, you're getting further from God. There's not neutral. There's not pause. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always movement. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I listened to a conversation with Donald Miller. Uh, I think he was with Bob Goff at a conference and, and, you know, Bob Goff, he's just this super enthusiastic, just absolutely contagious enthusiasm. And, um, I think he says something like, Hey, you know, we're all going to go outside and Don's, Don's going to take you outside. And Donald goes, why did you, why did you do that? Like we're in this conference and there's like 300 people. And he goes, well, people want to be led somewhere. And I think when I think of, when I think of the church, like people are coming to the church for, for answers. Yeah. They're coming because they have questions. And if we don't lead them anywhere, they're just going to walk right back out our doors. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, well, I didn't find what I was looking for there. And yeah, we're not going to have all the answers, but if we can at least point them to answers or point them to a journey and say, Hey, we're going to walk with you through that. That is, that's, what's going to keep people interested in Jesus. Yeah. And I think it's, it's about the journey. Yeah. Right. That, that every step is going to have new questions, new perspectives, new concerns, new, what about that? But as long as you're taking steps with people, right, that becomes such a, uh, an amazing, um, pathway to be on with people. Mm. Uh, but we can't make them take steps. Yeah. Right. And Jesus couldn't make people. Yeah. Right. He could only invite. He, that's all he did. And some did and some didn't. Yeah. And even those that did got it wrong. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's very encouraging. <laughs> right. I mean, right. We're coming in the Easter season, uh, season and it's like, yeah, I mean, he's in a tomb and the disciples are hiding out in a, in a room. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you know, and yeah. and then they saw him alive and everything changed. So, yeah. No, I think that's, that's so crucial. you know, just to, to know that we don't have to have all the, uh, we don't have to make all the decisions, you know, that we, we can always just point people to, to whatever we're leading them towards. Um, so yeah, the next one is you have to be powerful. And I, you know, I have a question on this one. Definitely. I agree that this can be a myth that people get caught into, but even more so, I think the question that they fall prey to is you have to be in control. So I don't know where your thoughts are on that. If power and control, um, you know, have any correlation, but you know, let's just uh, demystify that. Yeah, I do think power and control have, I think, I think control is the underlying issue. Oh, okay. Power is external yeah. kind of how you, you, you know, um, how it manifests itself. Yeah. I think power also manifests itself with deep insecurity as well. Mm. Right. So you, you want to get down what's underneath. Yeah. Right. I've dealt with, um, leaders that, 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 that were so insecure internally that, uh, they externally, you know, led with an iron fist. And when you got into it, you're like, Oh, you're not power hungry. You're just so insecure. And you just never, never dealt with your, your, insecurity right Mm -hmm. same thing with control right control is the same thing internally yeah where 
where you're trying to hold on to everything. And so the only way you've come to, to figure out how to do that is externally lead with this, again, this power, this, 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 this hammer where you're just going to drive every decision and be part of everything. Yeah. And uh, so I always just kind of try to help people, you know, what's internal that's driving the external. And uh, the more you can solve the internal, right? The other, the other piece always, the power piece usually <laughs> um, dissipates because you're helping the person internally really figure out who they are. Wow. Um, so what would you say to someone who's, I guess everybody has insecurity, like no one's, mm-hmm. no one is going to get away from that. So if you have someone who is trying to, to figure that out, what would be some encouragement you would give someone who's, who's a leader, who's feeling insecure, you know, to find that root issue and to, and to discover what's really going on beneath the surface to then, you know, lead them to a healthier place of leadership. Yeah. The fir- first thing is, is, if they're not humble, you can't. Yeah, they won't accept they won't. help or they don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so humility is all and right. That's always in there. And that's why pride is so, so powerful, right? Pride. Bible talks about it all the time. So it all starts with humility. If they really are humble and they want to focus on them and to know them and to work on them and be open to uh, uh, loving, but um, corrective feedback, like, Hey, there's something there. You know, if, if, if all of that's there, uh, then you just start having the conversation and say, okay, it's coming out this way. You know, you're, you're, you're walking in meetings and you're just pulling power plays. I, I look for all the time, you know, with the leader, if they have to set, set at the, the, the end of the table, if they have to, hmm. that tells me everything. Uh, I walk into meetings all the time. I'll move around the table. I'll move around the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, meeting Tuesday, I walked in, I was the last one in there cause I got stopped at another conversation. I had to set up that in the table. I'm like, dang it. I don't want to sit <laughs> on the end of the table. Um, but I'll purposely move my way around the table. And I do that, uh, because it communicates a lot. Yeah. Right. I worked for a leader that, I mean, he was authoritarian, power hungry, sat in the table, would bang the table. I mean, it was just all of that. And uh, it's like, no one wants to follow that. Yeah. No one wants to follow that. Yeah. And uh, and so I think helping, back to your question, which is a great question, I think helping people go, okay, what what's deep-rooted and then what's that connected to? If it's insecurity, what's that connected to? And I'm just telling you, there's, there's a, and I'm not a counselor, but it's always connected to something somewhere, right? Yeah. And it could be connected to a relationship with a dad or a mother. It could be connected to a personality weakness, right? Where all of a sudden you realize there's a part of your personality that you've never just focused on and said, I should focus on this. Yeah. And just trying to help them maybe start to tease that out and just go, there's always, a, there's a reason why. Yeah. Let's just, let's just go on a journey to figure out the reason why. And the more you circle around it, all of a sudden there's going to be light bulbs that go off and go, oh, I, I know. Like when I took the Enneagram, it's like when I get stressed out or I feel like someone's trying to control me or trying to manipulate me, right? That's part of the eight where I feel it, mm-hmm. right? And that's why that the S2S, the slow to speak, comes in, yeah. right? Where I write it down, it's like, Chris, just take a breath. Just take a breath, hmm. right? And the more you really understand like your personality is a two-sided coin, right? Your, your, your strength on the flip side is your weakness. Oh yeah. And the more you understand your strength and your weakness together, now that all 
right? That now that becomes a picture where you can actually start helping lead yourself too. And the more you can share that with someone and, and, and divulge that into, you know, say, Hey, this is just me, right? Cause here's the thing I share about my introvertedness and I've had people say to me, right? They, they framed in their mind now who I am and mm. they use it as a hammer, mm. right? And I just don't let them, right? Like you don't get to do that yeah. to me, right? Right. But I know the more I share about me, people can take that mm. and do whatever they want with it. Yeah. I just got to let them do whatever they want with it. Right. Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, the strength being your weakness. I think if there's anything I learned from the Enneagram, it's, you know, the best thing about you is the worst thing about you. Mm-hmm. You know, any good thing can be can be manipulated into becoming a bad thing. Yep. You know, you think of, um, you know, for me, example, a three, I like to, I'm a goal setter. I like checking off lists. But if that becomes all that I am, then I'd. I find my worth in what I do and not who I am. Or I just find myself empty at the end of the day of checking things off the list. So the best thing about me is I get stuff done. Yes. But if I'm only getting stuff done, then I'm missing out on, you know, my real value, which is just who I am. Yeah. So let's have fun with this. You're going to love me here in about 30 seconds. I <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I will. <laughs> See, I, I suckered you into this podcast. That's all right. Uh, so so, so you, you do. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, we have seen over the last you know, year and a half, uh, specifically is you get stuff done and that's a huge value of mine. Yeah. Right. I, I don't care about work hours. I don't care, uh, you know, if you're early morning person or late morning person, what I care about is do you get stuff done? It's my number one love language as a leader, <laughs> get stuff done. And I say that right all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. I say that, I say that, I say, I say it in many different ways. Um, but right. It's just get stuff done. So you love your, your checklist, your to-do list to get stuff done. Yeah. Now, you slide that next to leadership is all about gathering a team of people to accomplish a defined goal, right? Mm-hmm. It's about people. Leading within a church is about people. people. You know, part of your weekly ch- checklist is to call people. Yeah. The danger is, right? The upside is I know you're going to call everyone. Yeah. Because you're going to do that. Because mm-hmm. you do not want checklists unchecked. Right. Yeah. The flip side of that is a person becomes a task. Task. Yeah, I've I've been uh, processing that over the last couple of months. Actually, I've had some really good conversations. You know, even calling my mom and asking for advice. And, you know, she she led alongside my dad for twenty some years, and mm-hmm. so just to be like, "Hey, mom, this is happening. What what do you see here?" Um, so I do have to be really careful. I have to make sure that I prioritize people over task. Yeah. And in my natural wiring, which is not an excuse, is that I I do just see task. Um, one of the things that I have to remember is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I called everyone, if I didn't connect with them, it's just, it's meaningless. Um, and it, but that's a, you know, it's a great point. Yeah. At some level too, people will know. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. And they might not get off the phone and said, I was Bevan's task. Right. Like yeah. not saying that, but at some level they'll know, are you really genuine or not? Yeah. Right. So for me, uh, like after every service, you know, we're down front, we're praying for people, we're connected with people. And one of the things that I really had to work on is, especially when you see a, you know, kind of a line of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I lock, lock eyes with the person and I don't stop until that person's done. Hmm. And uh, uh, if not, I'm thinking about the next person, the next person, the next person. And then I see someone in the line, I'm like, well, oh, I wonder what they want or or I've talked to that person. I'm like, oh, I want to get to that person, right? Like, yeah. And all of a sudden, I start shifting back and forth, and I start positioning, right? And I just, I lock in hmm. to people. 
right? It's something I've had to work on because if not, I'm thinking about the person, you know, three deep in the line. Yep. And, and like you said, people know, Yep. you know, if, if you're not making eye contact, if you're not engaging in the conversation, people will feel that. Yeah. And then it's, it's just, yeah, another task, but no, that's a really good point. Um, I think, you know, part of, part of my journey again with self-discovery is, and especially the Enneagram, whereas Myers-Briggs, I love both. It's a great, it's a great assessment on who you are, but I think it leaves you there or gives you an excuse to say, well, this is how I'm wired, you know? Um, but the Enneagram helps you look at some of the parts that maybe hurt a little bit or make you cringe or make you think. And I think, you know, again, like if there's a line of people, if I'm not careful and I'm not engaged, I will be thinking about 10 other things that I have to do while I'm having a conversation with a person. So I have to be really intentional, especially on the weekends, you know, like this is about people. Yeah. I can get stuff done. It'll be there when I'm done. Yep. So I have to just say to myself, you know, don't worry so much about getting things done. Worry more about connecting with people. That's it. But so the core, uh, the core idea there, um, you know, we talk about courage, you know, and just like unpack that a little bit more, maybe the difference between, you know, power and courage. Yeah, I think leadership is one of the most difficult things to actually say yes to. And uh, I think there's a lot of people that like the idea of leadership. Yeah. Uh, but they don't realize the amount of courage that it requires to actually lead. Yep. And so people get the power. So they think power is courage. And it's like, no, 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 it's easy to power up. It's easy to yell. I mean, you played soccer, I played soccer. It's easy yeah. to stand up on, on the field and yell at all, every player. Yeah. It's a whole nother thing to walk up next to a player and call him out, tell him what he's doing wrong, tell him what you see and say, you got to fix it. Yeah. Right. That conversation is so much different. Right. I had a coach that just yelled at everyone all the time. Yeah. But never walked up to me and said, Hey dude, when you do this and you weren't hustling on that play and you gave up on that play and you didn't look down the field on that play, hmm. he never did that ever. He would yell at everyone. Right. Yeah. That's power. Yeah. Courage looks to someone in the eye and goes, no, this needs to be corrected. Huh. Right. And I just think there's, there's, there's such a lack of courage just generally. That's yeah. why social media, people are so courageous. Yeah. Right? It's not courage on social media. Right. Like yeah. It's just hilarious to yeah. me. I'm like going, no, 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 no. That's just, that's just your insecurity thinking that you, you can make a statement. Why don't you actually sit down and talk with someone? And I, I see that all the time, especially in church, church world, oh, yeah. where people don't have courage to sit down, just have a conversation with someone. Hmm. Don't have the courage to actually help. You know, our iron sharpening iron means that iron touches iron. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Like you have to be in relationship with someone and love them enough to speak truth and life into them. And that truth in life isn't some power play. It's looking them in the eyes and say, I love you enough. I'm going to help you. It's, you know, it's why I can look at you. Uh, what we talked about, you know, the first time we had a conversation and out of that was no. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, we didn't see a lot in you. Yeah. We were just trying to find the right position where we, we knew you could flourish. Yeah. Right. And it, it probably didn't feel like that at the beginning or at that moment or in the moments following. Yeah. But now looking back. Right. Oh yeah. And, uh, the worst thing to do is, is not have that conversation. So courage, I just, I just find most people aren't willing because it's a choice. So would you say power avoids tension and courage engages tension? Yes. Yeah. That's actually a great, uh, yeah, that's it. 
That's it. Because See, because power, you just you, you just again, it's just you just you just power up on someone. And, yeah. And yeah. And conflict avoidance looks different too, because some people will barrel through conflict just to get it done. Mm-hmm. Other people will just straight up avoid it and they will just run away. Yeah. But it's still the same at the heart of it. They're just trying to get rid of the tension. Yeah. 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 Courage really does. I, I want to come back to it. it. It really, you sit in the tension with the person, mm. with the person mm. and you look in the, in the eye and have a hard conversation. And, uh, um, but that's a choice when people are like, oh, I just, you know, I'm conflict avoidant. Well, Oh, or I avoid conflict. I'm like, yeah, you choose to. No one. Now, I think for some people, it's a little easier, a yeah. little easier. I'm talking like 2% easier. For my personality, it's probably 2% easier. But I'm just telling you, hard conversations are hard conversations. Mm. They just are. We we don't, as human beings, don't want to have hard conversations. So yeah. when someone goes, well, that's not that's not my personality. I'm like, it's no one's personality. Mm. No one, I mean, honest conflict or um, well, honest conflict, but um, courageous conversations, right? Yeah. No one wants to sit in the tension. Yeah. We don't like tension. We want out of it. We want out of it. All of us do. Now, again, some personalities more than others, mm-hmm. but it's just a choice. And you you just can't be a leader if you're not going to choose to be courageous. Yeah, that's a really good insight. I think it's so easy to just have a cop out with our, you know, with our, the way we're wired and say, well, I don't like that. So I'm not going to engage in that. Yeah. That's, some, that's for somebody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Or when you sit there and you stare at your phone, you know, you have to make that phone call. Yeah. Right. Or you have to set up that meeting to have that one on one with that person and you don't want to and you keep pushing it off. And yep. right. All of that. It's real. It's real. You know, it's real. But the more you do it, I think this is it. The more you actually engage in it. The more comfortable you are sitting in the tension. Hmm. And if your heart is really to help the person or help solve the issue. It starts to frame it differently. If your if your goal is just to power up on someone and show them that you're the leader, well, you're not the leader. Yeah. You know, you just have a position. I think it ties in, you know, with what you said earlier about listening. It takes courage to listen. It doesn't take courage to power up. No. It's easy to power up. So yeah, just to to tie that back into being willing to listen instead of always having something to say. So the last one here, number five is you have to be all things to all people, which I've definitely felt in my initial uh, entry into ministry, into leadership. It's a trap. I think that everyone probably falls into is you think you have to be absolutely everything to all people, which is just untrue. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Or how have you navigated that in your own leadership journey? You said it's a trap for every, for every leader. I don't care what your age is. It's the trap. And I think at every stage of leadership, and every level of leadership and every position of leadership as that changes, it continues to be the trap, right? You come into a new position, maybe your leadership uh, uh, scope expands, it, it creeps up again. Yeah. And that's why coming back to to knowing you, knowing you, hmm. you know, just who you are, right? Again, you want to be growing, advancing as a leader, right? Growing, minimizing lids maximizing how you're gifted, right? Minimizing lids, maximizing your gifting, minimizing your lids, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. Uh, but but the more you know you, that doesn't change. And I just think people start to, at some point, especially as leadership expands, mm-hmm. 
they try to become more aspirational. Like again, they're like, Oh, I, I get to lead all of this now and it's grown. I've had some success and more people are looking at me and all of a sudden, all of a sudden they start to go, Oh, I'm really, I'm like, no, no, no you're still you. Yeah. You know, be, be you. Uh, Jim Collins, uh, you know, wrote in good to great and built to last both those books. Well, more than that, but those books really go together. It's amazing because CEOs that really understood who they were and the, they weren't even the, the, the charismatic leaders. They were just the people that knew who they were, right? Yeah. The companies outlast them, right? The charismatic CEOs, they left, the companies imploded, right? It hmm. was just an interesting thing. And I've always thought about that going, there's something about the style of leadership, but also knowing who you are and not trying to become someone that you're not. Hmm. So, you know, you have to know you. And I, I know we've said this. But it's it's just true. Know you and recognize that people are going to try to shove you into a version that they want you to be. Yeah. And it's not you. Yeah. Right? People do that to me all the time. They want me to be some version of a pastor slash leader slash whatever mm-hmm. that they want me to be. And I just came, oh, I'm just, this is me. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. And if you want to talk about all the good parts of me and the bad parts of me, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, but it's me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, there was only one perfect person on this earth. That was Jesus. Uh, you're not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Correct? No. Okay, good. Good answer. <laughs> I'm not Jesus. So let's just recognize it, right? Yeah. And that's why, you know, the church is a body. All different parts. Yeah. With all different purposes, Right. But collectively, it becomes something beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so I'm just a part. You're just a part. And the more you recognize your function as a part of the body, the better. Yeah. Uh, one thing, you know, my father-in-law, Dan, who's also on staff, he, he gave me some great advice when I was first entering into ministry and leadership. He said, you know, there's a couple of people you can do life with and, and you can pour into them and they can pour into you. And then there's, there's other people where you can connect with periodically and you can walk with them. And then there's other people that you just maybe have like a a slight touch on the weekend, or you might just, you know, engage in a conversation and check in, but you can't do all three for all three people. You just have to, you have to identify, you know, who can I do life with? Who can I pour into? Who can I be poured back into by? And then, you know, down the list, you just kind of identify and and you figure out that from your wiring and and the way that you connect with people. Um, I thought I had, you know, throughout this conversation is uh, tethered to what you said, where, you know, when you get to a new spot in your leadership, maybe you have more influence, maybe you have, um, you know, a newer position, it's easier to get sucked back into these pitfalls, which, so my question is, do you think these are things that ever get fully accomplished or do you think they're things that constantly come back? I think, I think they constantly come back. No, again, I think it looks different. The more you work at it, the more you focus on it right? You can minimize it, right? You can shrink it a little bit. You yeah. can, you know, it's easier to, 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 to sometimes these are just tensions to manage. Yeah. Right. Hmm. You said earlier, we all have some security. Well, that, that always comes out when all of a sudden you're trying to be all things, all people. Yep. Yeah. And you want to be, cause right. We all, we all, no matter your personality type, we all want people to like us. Yeah. I call it the, the junior high dodgeball moment, right? You don't want to be picked last. Right. Yeah. You yeah. don't, you don't, you don't want to be, yeah. I'm sure Bevan, you were never picked last in junior high. I don't think so. Yeah. I know. Maybe somewhere in the middle though. I had that fear. Oh, you, I did. I had that junior high. I was a slow, slow developer. No arm. <laughs> just, just, you could kick it. 
Um, I could, no, I don't I, I, no, I couldn't even All do right. that. I was yeah. trying to give you something. No, <laughs> it wasn't until my eighth, ninth grade, into my ninth year, we're finally, yeah. right, finally. <laughs> so I, I have the junior high dodgeball, don't pick me last. But, you know, we all have that insecurity and, uh, within us and, and, in our best version of ourselves, we can, we can, you know, really recognize it when we get tired, when we get stressed, when, you know, failure happens, when things aren't working, right. It, it yeah. really creeps up. And so, you know, man, managing these pieces, I think become part of a leader's journey is just to go, I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to call it out when it's there. And, uh, and, and, and know that along the way, the more I do that, the easier Hmm. Right. It's the same thing with, with conflict. Yeah. The more you engage the tension of conflict and have the courage to engage the tension of conflict, the easier it is to make that phone call to set up that meeting and sit down with that person. Yeah. Not saying it's easy. It's easier. Yeah. So I think that's part of it is just, you just got to do it and keep doing it and keep recognizing it and keep doing it and keep recognizing it. Yeah. Well, thanks for all your insights on this, Chris. Um, again, I think this is just so important for any leader, no matter where they're at in their leadership journey. And especially, you know, from my perspective as a younger leader, as someone new to leadership, these, um, you know, these five insights with the core ideas are everything uh, when you're when you're stepping into leadership. So thank you for all your thoughts. No, I, I, I tell you, I think what I love about even just in the conversation is you know, it's a great reminder to me. Right. It's a great reminder to me as a leader that I got to keep focus on these things, no matter, you know, how I grow, how I develop as a leader. Like it's always going to be there. Yeah. And uh, the more we can do that together. Right. There's just something about it. Yeah. So, well, uh, it's been great for our advancing leader podcast. Bevan, thank you so much for hanging out, yeah. uh, drinking Great coffee. Great coffee. See, only the best coffee here. It's snowing outside. Uh, if you're not watching this, it's snowing outside. Welcome to to, to the great uh, northeast. And uh, um, so we'll try to stay warm. Uh, so it's been great to have you all with us today. Uh, this has been the Advancing Leader Podcast.